You're listening to an Amplify podcast. So I had a very experience, uh, interesting experience. A very experience. <laughs> a very experience. Yes, a very interesting experience over the holidays. Um, my friend's birthday party. We went to a midnight screaming. Uh, sc- a midnight I can't screaming. talk today. So you went See? and just screamed at the moon for for several minutes. I can't bit. talk today. Apparently, it must be the stress of year twelve. It's yeah, just getting re- to me. It's it's slowly killing me. Everything's it's, falling apart. My like the in, my inner fibers are like sort of slowly. <laughs> I saw myself sort of like floating into the void earlier. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Anyway, midnight sh- screening. 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 Of this film called The Room. The Room. Now, I, I understand you know this film. I indeed know the The Room. I am I am familiar with this particular masterwork of cinematic genius. <laughs> genius. Uh... I, I'd say it's genius. I'd say it's a work of genius. I I like The Room uh, so much that I've been reading conspiracy theories about The Room. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, The Room is the uh, hit two thousand and three. Uh, I think so, yeah. I think it's like early 2000s cult film by director, star, star editor, editor, writer, producer, producer. Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> who is an uh, enigmatic man, to say the least. Um, a, yeah. Say, and, can't act. Yeah. It's one <laughs> a- of those Acting's films. a spectrum, guys. It's, it's so bad, it's good. It has to be good. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's reached, like, it's around the circle. If you think of film badness as a circle, it's, it's reached it, and then it's gone around another one. But this is a man, about a man whose uh, wife is cheating on him, but uh, there, there is really no plot, and I'm... Yeah, and... In my heart of all hearts, I hope it's some sort of, like, work of, like, dartist... Sort of like some sort of like Dartist meta joke about cinema itself. Yeah, but um, midnight screening. Of course, you have some uh, things that you do, not unlike Rocky Horror or mm. shows like that. One of which is you bring a whole bunch of plastic spoons, and every time you see a spoon image featured in the film, you throw a bunch of spoons forward. Of course, people get bored through the film and start just doing this. Mm. Just randomly. I, I almost went to a midnight screening myself for a friend's birthday, actually. But I had, uh, I realised I'd double booked, so I could not uh, go. So uh, you, you've got one up on me. On, it's in, it's in worth levels it. Of, it's worth it? Is it worth it? I, yeah. It, it makes the film so much more enjoyable. Mm. Like, especially when you're, like, really, really, like, sleep deprived afterwards. <laughs> and you're, yes. like, just trying to get your head around what you actually just saw then. You're just like, I don't know what's happening. Mm. And you're just shouting... At the sky, I was midnight screaming. <laughs> you were midnight screaming afterwards. Midnight screaming. Too. I, I've heard some particularly interesting theories about uh, the like the, the the making of the room because one of the the stars, the second like the second uh, actor himself, uh, was like on the show. Oh no, 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 not on the show. He wrote a book about the making of the room, <laughs> and he just told the story of like this man Tommy Zoe, who's like this fascinating, fascinating story about this guy, and he's ne- like he's he's obviously not American. He doesn't have an American accent. He's got some sort of <laughs> indeterminable, weird. yeah, weird indeterminable Eastern European accent, and like he's never in interviews ever revealed where he's from, and so <laughs> like there have been like allegations that the room was a money laundering operation and that he was a shady European, uh, like, well, these allegations, but, like, shady European uh, criminal who was using the room because he financed it entirely yeah, himself. He's like, yeah. And he says he made the money from selling knockoff Levi jeans. <laughs> 
See, my um, most interesting thing I didn't actually realize while watching it, but realized afterwards, is that one of the actors is um, just replaced halfway through without an explanation. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it was the same character to begin with. Uh, that, that, I think that's actually more common than like most people think, replacing like actors halfway through. Didn't they do that with the Fresh Prince? They replaced one of like the main cast members. Like, but normally you would expect them to at least look a bit like them. Yeah, I think I think my favorite scene is just tuxedo football. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Which is? Uh, well, yeah, that that warrants an explanation. Tuxedo. There's a scene in the film where, uh, like, throughout the film, they're playing American football a lot, so they're throwing a football at each other. Because they're lads. Because they're, they, they like their American football in San Francisco, where the movie's set. But there's a particular scene where they all show up just all dressed in... just all dressed in tuxedos, in complete tuxedos, and they just start playing football to each other, and the scene's got no... Con- it comes around halfway through the film, through, like, the halfway mark, and just, you've got, like... No idea. There's never referenced again. There's no yeah. reason. They just all jump in and just start throwing a football at each other. But why are they wearing tuxedos? You never know. It's a. As I said, I really hope this is some sort of like... The room itself is like a Dadaist deconstruction of film itself. <laughs> Amplify on Sin 90.7. We, we've got, we've got some, uh, some more fun topics to uh, talk about here with you guys today. Uh, a discussion that's coming straight to your ear holes through the, the medium <laughs> of radio. Through the uh, magical airwaves. The that magical. We, we, are, we are using the old to discuss the new. And by the new, I'm uh, talking about the, the currency of the internet, the, uh, the lingua franca <laughs> of the World Wide Web. I am indeed talking about memes. That's such an anticlimax. It really you, is. You give it such a good introduction and then say memes. 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 Some fresh, spicy memes on Sin 90.7 FM. So, what is a meme? Well, I do know about the original context of the meme, which is just an idea that is spread. Um, was um, spread. I had an entire history class on dangerous memes. Really? Yes. That sounds like my... Like, an, I re- an entire history... I don't think my teacher even knew about the modern context of memes at all. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't in on the fresh spicy no. memes. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't dank like that. Oh, God, that <laughs> word. It's the worst <laughs> word out there. Uh, for those who uh, know me personally, they do know that my two favourite things are history and meme, and they will uh, indeed understand the profound, profound burning jealousy I'm feeling right now on air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know, but can anything be a meme? I... If you try hard enough. If you try any... I feel like... I feel, I feel like... like in, I feel like some companies try too hard, though. Yeah, I think, I think corporate maiming is something that should stop. It's, it's, uh... Like, okay, the difference between good and bad corporate meaning is, uh... Oh, no, I probably can't... <laughs> Sorry! Bleep out what I, what I said. We can't, um... Yeah, we actually can't... We say, can't discuss... This is but, forbidden okay, topics there's, on uh, Okay. There's companies that try too hard and companies that just sort of get it. Get it. I, I think there. I think we can all think of uh, corporate meme. We can all think in our heads currently, right now, of memes from corporations that you've most certainly enjoyed. And they do get spread. They, do they get, just get laughed at. Yeah, they just get laughed at. But I, I think, I think like we've reached a point as as a memeologist, as we <laughs> a memeologist, as an admin of two separate meme pages on Facebook. That isn't a claim you should be airing. Yeah. To, the, to whoever's listening. It's it's deeply, deeply, deeply shameful. <laughs> But as someone who uh, is 
frequents and uh, is immersed in the world of postmodern avant-garde memes. <laughs> postmodern avant-garde. Yeah, we've the re- Dadaist memes. <laughs> the Dadaist memes. What is it? What? What is a meme? <laughs> what is Dada? <laughs> Dada. But what? What is a meme? <laughs> I think anything can be a meme. Because I think we've reached a stage in our internet memeing where people will laugh at anything, yes, and anything because like culture uh, for for memeists for like memeists like myself <laughs> memers uh, we like there's like some sort of this prevailing view amongst those who are deeply immersed in memes that culture has lost all meaning and therefore <laughs> memes should not have any meaning at all. So I, I think anything can be a meme. Well, what's really weird is finding memes that have come from uh, great literary or artistic works. Yeah. Like, recently, my literature class found out that uh, adding he dead onto the end of things actually comes from Heart of Darkness. Um, there you know, there, there you go. So, high-class memes right there. Yeah, high-class memes. <laughs> uh, I, I am a fan of uh, a meme page called The Philosopher's Meme, and it is it, it's, it like basically tries to take current internet memes and internet humour and combine them with, like, uh, like sort of French... Uh, with French existentialist <laughs> and, like, postmodernist uh, oh philosophy. God. And sort of, like, try... And it's very, very convincing. There's there's a lot... There's a lot of literature out there if you've got to, if you've got to dig deep deep enough into how memes relate to, like, <laughs> oh French God. structuralism and postmodernism oh and existentialism. Memes are an art form. Memes are... Memes are... That bring, bring, brings us to a, uh, an interesting point. Are memes art? I think they can be. I think a lot of uh, modern art is actually just memes. I, I I agree completely. I reckon memes are the logical like the logical conclusion of Fluxus and Dada. I think <laughs> yes, I, yes. I reckon if uh, I reckon like you know if if Basiquat was alive today, he'd he'd be he'd be shit posting on the internet. <laughs> so uh, Dada is just uh, Weimar era Germany yeah. uh, art form, which they basically. Broke all conventions, did whatever they want. It just just meant nothing. I remember in Year 9 Art, we watched something on Dada, and it was just somebody saying da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da for a few minutes straight over, like, just a rapid rapid flashing montage of newspaper clippings. Well, see, the same uh, teacher for me that did the Dangerous Memes class Mm. also uh, made his own Dada performance, but he didn't (laughs) tell us he was going to do this. He just put on a video, then started... um, started cutting out stuff really extravagantly and then went into a data performance. That, that, that's the only kind of way you can have a data performance if you don't announce. I think that's the most data thing about it is he didn't announce yeah. it. He broke all conventions. <laughs> and was just like, yeah, it was, it was a bit confusing, but one of the more memorable lessons. Yeah, one of the, I, yeah, I reckon in like, if I, like, if I was, if I was in that class, I'd probably be able to like, the rest of the year been interesting, and then like the highlight probably would have been Dada class. I feel sorry for the people who missed that class, though. Mm. There were a few. There were, and they don't have the beautiful uh, remembrance of Dada. Rest in pepperoni. <laughs> I remember, uh, not as cool, but uh, sort of relevant for the time. My history teacher did Gangnam Style in two thousand and twelve. What? Two thousand and twelve. Back in the day, back when it was cool. Oh my god! I remember my uh, English teacher one year. A large fairly large bloke uh, twerked in front of the class. I am scarred. You were scarred? You were scarred. Scarred for life. Uh, was, was that something you are not... not didn't, that, Something you didn't particularly want to see? Yes, very much so. I, I, I reckon that, that, would have been, that would have been pretty scary. Actually, speaking of teachers and uh, current internet culture, so on fleek. <laughs> God, 
that was awful. Uh, my theatre teacher was banned dabbing in our class. The the popular dance move dabbing. <laughs> she is she is instigated a two dollar <laughs> fine for everyone who, oh who dabs in our class. And it's it. I think it's slowly killing me and my friend Max. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it is. It is really. It is really a uh, a tragedy to behold. Amplify on Sin ninety point seven. Sin's one of those like funny bands that are like often like overlooked by a lot of people in like the music industry, except for Bob Geldof. Bob Geldof uh, said that the Ramones, the Saints, and the Sex Pistols were the three uh, bands that invented punk rock in the 1970s. Well, the Saints are pretty good. Uh, I like them. I like. I, I think we can both agree that we we like the Saints. They're, they're Australian, right? They're, yeah, they're, they're, Australian. they're the ones from Queensland, which yeah. is a bit. It's a bit weird when you consider the fact that they were wandering around with leather jackets and pants in Queensland. I thought that was their thing. Was they never dressed like punks? Is they just dressed like regular people that played really, really awesome punk rock? <laughs> Well, I I don't know. I haven't heard that. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but either way, like no, like no matter how like mild punk you dress, it's still going to be a little bit inconvenient for for like the weather of Queensland. So I, I yeah. think I think Rebecca makes a valid point. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh yeah. It's just uh, it's, it's a it's a funny thing. But do you know what else? <laughs> do you know what else is a little bit funny? I'm getting a bit tired of these segues. I think. Uh, you're, yeah. <laughs> what else is funny? These uh, these incredibly awesome segues. Speaking of this segue, <laughs> into the uh, next segment here, the sexual tension between bus drivers. <laughs> to explain. Have you bus drivers there? When bus drivers drive past each other, and I, I, I have spent many times on many buses, and every time two bus drivers pass each other. You can just see the two bus drivers looking at each other. There's like this moment of eye contact between the two bus drivers, and like they nod or they wave or they have a longing uh, like glance into each other's eyes. <laughs> and I, I reckon there's some like there's some like you know low key sexual tension between those bus drivers. Well, I I don't take buses very often, so I couldn't say. Mm. I know they are generally yeah. pretty nice dudes. Yeah, they, or or dudettes. D- yeah, do do dudes or dudettes. <laughs> My dudette. <laughs> dudettes. But I reckon, yeah, I think, I think being, I think bus drivers, I think bus drivers are the unsung heroes of Melbourne, because oh. you know everybody we all talk about the, the the tram drivers and the tram drivers, but nobody ever mentions the bus drivers. Well, it, it could be because they come every uh, fifteen minutes to half hour. <laughs> that is possible. Just, just saying. I, I think I think they provide a, an excellent service of cross city transport. I've had... it is it is you can get to uh, those little inconvenient places a lot mm. easier. Mm. Like Greensboro. <laughs> Why would you be going to Greensboro? I don't know. I, I ask myself that question every time I go there. <laughs> I've, I've had some interesting experiences in buses. Though. I was once catching a bus, and in the seat before, like in the seat in front of me, a razor blade had been like stuck into the seat handle. Oh my and god! I, and it's an interesting experience with the bus. But I was just sitting there right at the back of the bus because, as the edgy child I am, and I was like, I was like in the bus. And I was like, there must be, like, somebody must check this bus to remove, like, the razor, which means that razor had been put there that day. And it's, it's just, uh, like, somebody has to, like, take the razors out of the bus drive. I, the, I feel the, a bit sorry for that person, to be honest. Yeah, I, rec- I reckon that's, like, thankless work removing, uh, removing the, the razor blades from buses. Yeah, on on the other side of public transport, there's the tram drivers who are ah, the tram drivers who constantly uh, if you miss the, if you miss their tram by a little bit, they'll shut the doors and wave at you as they go past. Yeah, they've got some incredible amounts of sass. Those tram drivers. Yeah, some of them are nice and uh, give you a good uh, 
summary of the monuments that you go past. Mm. I, 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 yeah, I was, yeah, I was on a really, really uh, an interesting tram trip once where, uh, like, it was like driving really, really, really slowly because it was like crowded and it was late on a Friday night. And the, the tram driver, because he was going really slow, he was like, on your left, we are on Gertrude Street. <laughs> Coming up on your left is a historic workers' club, a uh, popular music venue in the north of Melbourne. And then he'd turn and everything everything interesting along the along the 86 route, he would narrate. Oh, my God. 86. Well, yeah. that's that's purely an ano- anomaly. Yeah. Uh, are you saying that there's nothing interesting on the 86 route? No, no. I'm saying are you, are you, I you... always meet completely weird per- pe- people. I was about to say persons and realised that was a bit wrong. Mm. People on the 86 tram, mm. uh, you always meet someone new and interesting. New and inter- <laughs> it's a, it's a, a conduit for human interaction, the 86 tram. <laughs> it is indeed. I think, but it was this, this, when the tram drivers have like banter and interaction with the car driver, they think that's the best when they like turn <laughs> yes. the outside speaker on and just yell at, uh, at like yes. really bad drivers. Always so good. Always, it's some some top some top quality top tier uh, <laughs> tram driver uh, taxi banter. I would I would give that the six sassy. out of five kecks. <laughs> six out of five what? Kecks. It's a it's it's a meme. Harking back I'm to sorry, earlier in the program when we discussed memes. I'm not down with the memes. You're not sorry. Da- uh, I'm down with some memes. Yeah, that's got to change. That is something that's got to change. Oh oh dear. This podcast was brought to you by Amplify. 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 The sound of underage Melbourne.